Hola mi gente, bienvenidos. I'm your host Lore and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore here with another episode of Creepy Chisme. ¿Cómo están todos? Me? I am so good. <laughs> soy feliz, soy contenta, en mi vida, happy and content, y'all. And I have a feeling that it's only going to get better. <laughs> I am loving this weather. Just this time of year, I am just... Mm. Oh, y'all, I have begun studying tarot and have been practicing using a pendulum. So, so far, it's been pretty effective and so eye-opening. Now, I don't practice every day because it is easy to become very dependent on those types of things. And I don't want to ruin the seemingly good relationship that I'm building with my higher self. So, familia, if any of you want a reading... I need the practice, so ask away. So anyway, it is spooky season, y'all. Well, actually, we're already halfway through. It's crazy, I know. <laughs> and if you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I've been doing my Spooktober movie nights, where I watch one creepy movie before bed. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting, you know, mas viejita, a little bit older, but watching these creepy movies at night, Man, I have been having the craziest dreams and nightmares and just some weird overall situations. But it's okay. I'm no weak-ass bitch. I can handle a little nightmare here and there. <laughs> so yes, this week I am marathoning the Halloween movies because the last of the movies comes out this coming weekend, which I will have already seen by the time you are listening to this episode. So that means... I already cried. <laughs> Y'all don't even know the love I have for Miguel Myers. Like, he scares me, but I'm not scared. I don't know. I don't know whether I should hug him or punch him. <laughs> Sounds like my ex-boyfriend. Anyway, okay, okay. But before... Oh, no. Wait a second. I have a bone to pick with someone named Corey. Mm-hmm. Whoever the hell Corey was trying to make a Jesus event to mi gente on a Facebook group, you better pray your Jesus gives you some sense because you must have lost your damn mind. Please do not push religion. Y'all know how I feel about that shit. Do not push religion on mi gente, okay? Let us be weirdos in peace. Anyway, that's all you get out of me, Corey. And I... Like, I haven't checked my Facebook group in a while. I know. Lo siento. I'm sorry. But it said it was posted five days ago, and I'm pretty sure nobody saw it because I have it set up where if somebody posts something, I need to approve it. So I'm hoping nobody saw it because how fucking rude. Like, how fucking rude. It was something like, you all need to find Jesus. Yeah. Don't come for me, Henda, because I will take you down. Anyway. On to better things. Okay, okay. Before I forget me, gente, I'm so excited to share this with you. Yo girl has reached over 
10.5K on TikTok. Yes. I know, I know. Gracias, gracias. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so amazing. Like, I will never get over. Just yesterday, I felt it happened, I think, <laughs> where I was like, oh my God, I have 800 followers, 1,000, 2,000, then that turned into 5,000, then 8,000, then oh lordy. Here we are sitting at 10.5K. I can't believe it. And it just is like, it hit another growth spurt. Like this week, I'm getting hundreds of followers a day. And that is insane. But I've also been posting there like religiously. And if you're not following yet, you need to go follow because I've been posting some good stuff on there. Oh, and I have something a little special planned for Halloween. So you don't want to miss that episode. But I think that's all I have for y'all today. So, all right, it's time for an updater story I've recently heard. So the title of this article caught my attention for sure. But before I get into it, this is another example of how mental health is not managed well in this country. Very sad. So this article comes from my favorite true crime daily, and was posted October 7th. So a 30-year-old woman is facing murder charges after she allegedly killed a man leaving his body in a vacant building. I believe this story comes out of Memphis, Tennessee, where Shapria Williams now sits in jail without bond. On September 23rd, the Memphis police went to the vacant home where a man was found dead. The man's death was ruled a homicide, and he was found in one of the home's bedrooms, stabbed to death. Now, Williams, a.k.a. Shine, told a witness that she killed the man and even showed them the knife that she used to kill the man. When the witness asked her why she did it, Williams simply responded, quote, It was time to feed my demons, end quote. Now, Shapriya Williams will now await trial, but I can easily see her plead insanity in this case, especially with the witness testimony, if that witness testifies. But regardless, I do hope that Shapria gets the help that she needs because obviously there's something mentally wrong here. But wow. <laughs> yeah, the title of the article was like, Woman Kills Man Claiming to Feed Her Demons or something. And I was like, what? It was going to be this one or an article I saw about a man killing somebody with a banana. Yeah, I'll save that for next time. <laughs> All right, it is time to get... Creepy. Now, I know I already did an episode recently, horror movies based on true stories. And if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. It's really good. But today I bring you horror villains based after real killers. Now, before I begin, none of these are confirmed but I will go into detail how they are very similar to each other. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right, so I just wanna warn you guys, I've had a few beers tonight, feeling good, but we're gonna get through this. <laughs> so first up, we have maybe a not so well-known movie, Clove Hitch Killer. It came out in 2018. So the movie was about a teenage boy living in a Christian Kentucky town who thinks that his dad, Don Burnside, is a possible serial killer. Now Dylan McDermott gives a chilling performance, playing a family man well-known in his town and loved by many. 
Now, personally, I've never seen the movie or heard of this movie, so I definitely will try to give it a watch this spooky season. But it is said that the character Don Burnside is loosely based on Dennis Rader. If you know who Dennis Rader is, he is the BTK killer. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail into these actual cases because this is just like a fun sort of short episode for the spooky season. I may eventually do some actual episodes, and I think I mentioned some people that have already done episodes on. So again, these are just summaries of who they were, what they did. So the BTK killer. There's just so much information about him. This is so vague. I mean, you can make a whole podcast series on the BTK killer. So I'm just going to summarize here. So from 1974 to 1991, Dennis Rader actively killed in the Kansas area. Now, Dennis actually gave himself the nickname BTK, which to him stood for Bind, Torture, Kill. Now, he had 10 victims that he confessed to after he was arrested in 2005. In his early life, Dennis said that he enjoyed killing animals, of course, and had this weird craving for violent sex. So kind of like bondage, but he wanted more than that. In 1970, Dennis Rader married and he later had two children. In 1979, he graduated college with a degree in criminal justice. Ironic. He worked for a home security company. And then in 1991, he became a compliance officer. I know. (laughs) On the outside, he was a family man, a big part of his church. And he also was a Boy Scout leader. Dennis Rader loved taking souvenirs from his victims' homes, most times the victims' underwear. And the craziest part, I think, from the BTK killer is he would write these letters. Mm Mm-hmm. One time he even wrote out a detailed letter of how he murdered a family of four, and he left it in a book at a local public library. So when someone found the letter, they were so disturbed that they took it right away to the police. Can you imagine finding that? Oh, Lordy Jesus. I don't even know what I would do. (laughs) My dumbass probably would stick it back in the book and then put it back on the shelf and not think about it, you know, with all the shit I read. Now, in the letter, he names himself BTK. And after not receiving enough media attention, Dennis Rader wrote a letter to a local TV station stating, quote, how many people do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? End quote. Oh, yeah, he wanted to be famous. However, this letter caused panic. So Dennis Rader kind of was like, oh shit, what I do? Let me just lay low for a little bit. And he did. He laid low for a couple years. Now his last victim he claimed was in 1991. But not until 2004 after a local paper put out an article claiming that the BTK killer must be dead because nothing's happened. It caught Dennis's attention here. So he started sending out and placing clues all over town. I mean, this dude was screaming to get caught. He even sent actual photos of one of the victim's bodies, and most times his clues were put in cereal boxes, which they think he did intentionally because serial killer. Get it? Yeah, not funny. In 2005, after the idiot sent a floppy disk to police, they traced it back to his church and then also found DNA on the disk. Go figure. It was a match to Dennis Rader, and he was taken into custody where he confessed and was sentenced to 10 consecutive life terms. 
Now, the craziest thing here is the killings, which I didn't get too much into detail about, but I highly recommend you look up. Other than the killings, this man lived a pretty normal life. He was a good dad, a good husband, president of his congregation, a Boy Scout leader, like I said. Imagine the shock when this all comes out in the neighborhood. I mean, his kids, I can't even begin to imagine. And like I said, there's so much more to tell about Dennis Rader. It's just mind-blowing. But this is just a little summary. So again, the movie loosely is based on the BTK killer. It's called the Clove Hitch Killer. And the character created is named Dan Burnside. Our next horror movie villain is Patrick Bateman. Yes, from American Psycho. Love me that movie. Came out in 2000, I believe. Such a great fucking movie. So quick summary. Patrick Bateman is a fine-ass looking Wall Street banker slash serial killer. Christian Bale was the perfect man for the job. He did fantastic. He plays a selfish narcissist full of himself, no care in the world, cold blood killer. Now, Patrick Bateman was modeled after serial killer Ted Bundy, believe it or not, who was guilty of murdering at least 30 people throughout the 1970s. Now, Bundy, he... I don't even know what to say. Bundy had a very high intelligence, but he also had really good social skills. He was even good at holding like a normal and emotional romantic relationship with a woman, but he also lived a double life because he also would lure college women and then sexually assault and kill them. He confessed to 28 killings, but some think that it was a lot closer to 100 and his trial was well publicized and... Oh, lordy, women fell in love with this bastard because he was so good looking and charming. Not necessarily Lores cup of tea, but okay, whatever. And that's exactly what the character Patrick Bateman in the movie was like. He charmed his women. He convinced them to do a lot of things they wouldn't. And then, ba-boom, get him, right? <laughs> I love that movie. I never knew that Ted Bundy inspired one of the one of my favorite movies. Never knew that. But pretty crazy, right? Next, we have a true classic horror movie villain. One of my favorites as well, Leatherface from the 1974 movie The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is such a chilling movie to this day. I hate watching it alone. Ugh. Anyway, so the movie is about these teens that get stranded and need help and find this home in the middle of nowhere. And then this weirdest family lives there and shit gets crazy. Then out comes this crazy guy who likes skinning people and wearing their skin on his face. Gross. I know. Really good movie though. Highly recommend if you've never seen it, especially you new generation out there. We lads, you must watch it. It's so good back in my day. (laughs) The kids at school love when they talk like that. Back in my day. I'm still drinking a beer. Because, let me tell you guys. I found this fall beer that I had been wanting for three years. For three years. And I'm so happy I found it. So I had two tonight to celebrate. And I damn well deserve it after the week I've had. (laughs) Anyway, off topic. So Leatherface, yes, great movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, check it out if you have never seen it. Also, they did a remake, I want to say in 2005. I know Jessica Biel's in it. That wasn't so bad either. 
but nothing compared to the classic. Now, some of you may know this story or who inspired Leatherface. It's pretty well known. And that's old boy, Ed Gein. Now, if you are not familiar with the story of Ed Gein, then mi gente, hold on to your nalgas because this is crazy. Not too detailed, but it's still detailed. <laughs> so warning. But long story short, Ed Gein was a crazy bitch. Mental too. So he grew up with a very religious mother. And I'm talking like super Christian, probably evangelicus times 100. But she was super strict, very dominating. And so his youth was pretty shitty. Now his mother taught him that women were sinners. So don't touch them, don't have sex with them, right? Because he's not human, right? I don't know. <laughs> I never understand that no sex thing. Then... Um, she told them that drinking and smoking were instruments of the devil. Well, holy shit, I guess I'm going to hell. And the entire world was just pure evil. Now that, okay, I agree with you. He was bullied in school. He was a farm boy. So he dressed weird. He looked weird. He was dirty half the time. He had a speech problem and a lazy eye. I mean, he did not have it going for him. So he was the target of bullies. Now, even though he was being raised by a mentally religious woman, Ed still very much lived. What the fuck? <laughs> My Midwestern accent is like intertwined with the Southern twang. I hate it. Anyway, so it, <laughs> he was being raised by a mentally religious woman. Um, Ed still very much loved his mother and he believed everything that she taught him. Now, police believed that Ed's first victim was his brother, who just so happened to die in a burning of dry land that Ed and him were doing. Now, Ed survived and his brother was found face down in a marsh and it was determined that he died of asphyxiation. So they assume Ed had something to do with it, but you, you never know. So after his brother died, that left Ed and his mother living at the farmhouse and... Because his mother was older, it kind of gave Ed a little bit of freedom to reign and do whatever he wanted. Although he does claim that when his mother died, because she does pass away, that's when he started doing what he was doing. But we'll never know. Now in their house, Ed kept the room that his mother stayed in as it was. Like completely, exactly the way she left it. As a sign of like, kind of like a, how do you say, like, a, like in, to honor his mother. He left her room the same, you know? But when I get into detail, you'll understand why. Like, I think he expected that his mother was going to come back. Now, the rest of the house, however, though, he, oh, it kind of just became like a sort of shrine or horror museum of artifacts and much, much more. Now, it wasn't until 1957 when a local hardware worker went missing that police caught on to Ed. Now, Ed was the last customer at the store the night the worker went missing, so police went to visit him at the farm. And when they got to the residence, they found the worst scene in crime history. And this is what inspired the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, police did find the missing hardware store worker, but it was too late. Warning. I'm telling you, mi gente, warning. I'll give you a second. <laughs> Last chance, warning. Because <laughs> this took me by surprise. So they found the missing worker in the kitchen of the home, hanging from her ankles from the rafters. 
She was decapitated and bound. Can you imagine those officers and the nightmares that they had after this? Oh, I can't. Along with that, they found bones, countless bones everywhere. Skulls impaled all over, including on his bedpost. Skulls used as bowls that Ed clearly ate out of. And homemade furniture, such as an upholstered chair and lampshade made of human skin, a pair of pants made of leg skin, masks made of face skin, a belt made of human nipples, a corset made of a female torso, sickening, and they also found numerous stored in various body parts, including fingernails, noses, genitals from nine different female bodies. Now, Ed claimed that most everything came out of grave robbing. He looked for bodies that resembled his mother because the skin suit that he was working on, he said, was so that he could become his mother. I know. (laughs) So Ed was found not guilty by reasons of insanity in 1957 and sent to a hospital for the clinically insane. Now, he was diagnosed as a schizophrenic, and believe it or not, he used to hear his mother talk to him, so that's a big sign of schizophrenia. And guess what? The farmhouse where most of the evidence was, they did get some, but the farmhouse mysteriously burned down one day. I know. Crazy, right? So how many people did he actually hurt? We don't know. So for sure we know the woman from the hardware store, and they also found the full remains of another woman who went missing from years prior, who worked at a tavern, and Ed only ever admitted to murdering those two women. Now, police found evidence of at least 40 different human bodies. Ed Gein is known as one of the most disturbed humans in our lifetime. He's also inspired movies such as Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill, and Psycho as well. Crazy, right? Now, while on the subject of one of the greatest horror movies ever, Silence of the Lambs, Let's talk Hannibal Lecter. Fun fact about Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins in one of his best roles ever, don't fight me on this, did you know that he's only in the movie for a total of 20 minutes? That's it, 20 minutes. But Hopkins did so well that he chilled us to the core for all of 20 minutes in that movie. Now, Anthony Hopkins based his character on a physician, Alfredo Bailly Trevino, Now, Trevino was a surgeon who was convicted in 1959 for murdering his amor Jesus Castillo Rangel, also another physician. Now, Trevino slit his lover's throat with a scalpel during an argument and then chopped him into the tiniest little pieces and buried him in a box in an empty lot. However, a suspicious comadre followed Trevino and dug what he buried right after he buried it. I'm telling you, this is probably the one time that Chismosas in the Rancho, like, would help out. (laughs) Now, he was given the death penalty, but awaited death row in a prison in Monterrey. Now, the writer of the books, Thomas Harris, that became movies such as The Silence of the Lambs, was doing research at a prison in Monterrey, Mexico, And the murder prisoner that he was interviewing was being attended to by Trevino. This story is crazy, guys. Listen. So Harris said that Trevino, the doctor, carried himself so poised that he had no clue that he was an inmate. Now, when Harris described Trevino, he says every movement he made was very still. 
just like Anthony Hopkins portrayed. He had an elegance about him and was very intelligent. Trevino actually invited Harris to sit and converse with him, where he describes the conversation just like the one Hannibal and Clarice had when they met. Trevino asked the questions and tried getting into Harris's mind. Now, mind you, the entire conversation, Harris still doesn't know that Trevino's a prisoner. The way he found out was when he was leaving, he asked a guard how long Trevino was working there. And the guard responded, the doctor's a murderer. As a surgeon, he could package his victim in a surprisingly small box. He will never leave this place. He is insane. My lord. Can you imagine Harris's face, dude? <laughs> but guess what, y'all? In my research, I discovered that Trevino did get out of prison in 1981, even though he was on death row. Somehow his sentence was lowered to 20 years. Terrifying. But he did die in 2009 at 81 years old. However, Harris will never forget his encounter with the doctor. That story's crazy. <laughs> like, here you are. You're, I mean, Harris was talking to him as if, like... You know, he was asking him questions about the other inmate that he was interviewing, the murderer. And, you know, Trevino said something along the lines of, well, because he asked, okay, so Harris asked Trevino, why do you think he did it? Or why do you think he hurt all those people? And Trevino's response was something along the lines of, well, don't you think maybe they did something to provoke him? And it kind of caught Harris off guard. And so imagine when he found out what he did, you know, like that's so creepy. Yeah, but he said he never would have thought that he was a prisoner, let alone a murderer. So that's crazy. Now, some other quick mentions before I talk about our last horror movie villain based on an actual killer are Edmund Kemper, who I did a past episode on. It's stated that possibly Michael Myers might be inspired by his story mostly for his size and his cold killings, including that of his mother. And then there's Arthur Gary Bishop. Now, he was a pedophile and a child murderer. He says he blames porn for his wrongdoings, but I, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Lots of people watch porn and don't kill people or hurt children. In 1983, Bishop admitted to killing five boys, and he showed absolutely no remorse, and was sentenced to death. Now, before I tell you who he may have inspired behind one of the most famous horror movie villains, I'm going to tell you about one more person who might have inspired this character. His name is Pedro Alonso Lopez, who y'all have heard me mention a few times on the podcast. Still haven't gotten into the story because... There's not much to tell. It's pretty easy to tell what happened. And because it comes from such a, well, let's be honest, because it happened in a South American country, nobody cares. Like, that's the reality. Like, nobody cares, right? So there's not much to say other than what happened. So um, I mentioned him in my last Q&A, actually on the last episode, as one of the worst killers in our time. Again, like I said, he's not well known. He comes from South America. He was charged with the murders of over 100, yes, 100 young girls. Now, Lopez said it was much higher, though. You guys think it's 100? No se lo van a creer. It's higher, right? That He's an idiot. So he says that it's closer to 250 to 300. 
which I believe, truly believe. Now, even though he did what he did, he was still allowed to be released in 1989 with a bond of $50, 50 US dollars. Crazy, right? They let him out because they claimed that he was cured and completely sane. So he was allowed to go live in the real world. So who do you guys think I'm talking about here? Who do you think these two men inspired? It's not 100% the same, but it's somebody famous. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. So Freddy Krueger, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, he's obviously, if you don't know who Freddy Krueger is, like, don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> anyway, he, long story short, he was a horror movie villain who was a child pedophile, supposedly, burned by some parents who were outraged, and then he comes back to seek revenge on children and young teenagers. So yeah, they give those two men credit for inspiring Freddy Krueger. I know there's more, like Freddy Krueger, the, the whole idea of Freddy Krueger, I've heard is based on sleep insomnia, and that makes more sense to me. Now this last story is super crazy, guys. I'm talking about the movie Friday the 13th. Horror movie villain, Jason. Oh yeah. Now, I've never heard this story until recently when I made a TikTok on this theme and then it got flagged and now I'm in TikTok jail, but that's okay. Still reached my 10K. But have you ever heard of Juan Corona, the machete killer? Yes. From 1970 to 1971, Corona murdered at the least 25 immigrant workers. So he was born in Jalisco, Mexico, but eventually decided to migrate into California, where he spent a lot of time working on farms, and uh, he also would go to night school to learn the English language better. Now, after a very tragic flood almost killed him, it left Corona mentally damaged, so damaged that that he even underwent shock therapy. He had 23 treatments, and a mental breakdown, but was still declared sane again. Now, in May of 1971, a farmer found a very large, freshly dug hole on his property, and he was just like, what the hell is this? So he goes and he asks all the workers, like, who did this? Who dug this hole on my property? And everyone's like, yo no sé, I don't know. Like, don't ask me, don't look at me. So what happens is, the owner of the farm decides he's going to come back at night and check this hole out, right? Because he just wasn't feeling it. Like something was wrong. He knew it. His intuition was on point. So he comes back at night and he's like, it's full. Why is it full? The hole is now full of dirt. So instead of doing what an idiot would do like myself and start digging in the hole, he calls the police and the police come out and then they start digging and lo and behold, they find a body, the body of a male. Now the male was fully dressed, but in the male's pockets, they claim they found gay literature. I don't understand what that means other than possibly like male pornography, if that was even, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what gay literature means. So maybe like a book about gay lovers, I don't know. But they labeled the crime a sex crime and very sad, the coroner, didn't even care to do a full autopsy and was just like, yeah, it was like a sex crime, so whatever, you know? But a few days later, on a nearby farm, some workers find another freshly filled hole 
and once again, another male body is discovered. Then a third was found nearby. Now all three men were hacked to death by machete. After the third body was found, a witness stepped forward and said that he seen Juan Corona's truck around those areas. So they write him down as a suspect, but they still want to collect some more evidence because they're feeling like there might be more. And they want to really search the surrounding properties and the farms before speaking to Corona. In doing this, they find six more bodies and all on the same orchard. And once again, most of them were hacked. Only one was shot. The remaining men were found left exposed from the waist down, leading authorities to believe the victims were raped. Most of the victims had been seen with or had talked to Corona, making him the lead suspect. On May 26th, he was arrested, and when they searched his home, they found an 18-inch machete, a club with bloodstains, knives, a gun, bullets, digging materials, and the biggest piece of evidence, a blue book with the names of 24 men and specific dates. Men, so I swear. Now, blood was also found in his truck after a full search, and... On the farms, in the surrounding areas, and the one they were on, they found 25 bodies. Now, Corona was found guilty after a very lengthy trial. I'm not going to get into detail here, like I said, but yeah, it took a long-ass time for his trial. yeah, And for dumb reasons, too. But yeah, long trial. He was given 25 life terms, one for each victim, and he died on March 4th, 2019, in custody. I hope you guys found that as interesting as I did. Um, yeah, I haven't heard some of those cases, especially the Machete Killer. There's so much more on them that I didn't get to get into, but at least I brought it up, and maybe if you guys feel like it, you can go look more into those. And like I said, maybe one day I will do a full episode on some of them. We'll see. <laughs> it's so hard doing the serial killer episodes because there's so much information. Like it, it really would take me about a good month to get a good episode on a serial killer. Yeah, but it is fun. It is fun and I know you guys like it. So they are coming. Don't worry. Now, I know this was a little bit of a shorter episode for me and that's okay, right? Because we busy. We got shit to do. But I want to leave you guys with a spooky story. I have not done this yet this spooky season. Last year, I tried to do like spooky stories at the end of my episodes. So I'm going to read y'all a spooky story. Hope you enjoy. When I was 37, I went to my high school reunion. I flew into the nearest airport and rented a car. The distance was about 35 miles, a very rural and almost abandoned part of the country. About three miles outside of town, I see someone on the side of the road, flagging me down. It turned out that it was one of the guys I had attended school with, Jim. Jim gets in the car and we start talking. I hadn't seen him in 20 years, but he still looked the same, maybe a little bit older. We get to town and I ask him if he wants to come to the VFW to have a drink. He says no, just take me home. Jim's parents had lived only a few blocks from my grandmother's house and I turned in that direction but he said, take him to the outskirts of town. 
There was a mobile home park out there, and I figured that's where he lived. When we reached the end of the turnoff, he said, Just drop me here. It was good to see you again. And he walks off into the night. I go to the VFW, met some of my old classmates. We start to talk. As we were talking about who was coming to the reunion, I mentioned that I had just picked Jim up three miles east of town and, he, and had dropped him off. Everyone got quiet. Even the guy singing karaoke stopped, laid down the mic. My cousin goes white, white as a new t-shirt. Barb, Jim died on the curve eight years ago. Rolled his car. We were all at the funeral. I started to feel really dizzy. And when I went out to the car to take some deep breaths, there on the seat is the local newspaper printed eight years previous containing Jim's obituary. I still have the paper. That story was called It Was Good to See an Old Friend. I read it the other day on Reddit and it kind of scared the shit out of me. <laughs> then again, it was like 10 o'clock at night when I should have been sleeping. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that story. That was fun. Hope you guys have an amazing week. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and a review. I'd love you forever. Don't forget, if you haven't already followed me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook groups, go do that. Just search Creepy Chisme and share this episode with a friend or family. Don't forget to come back next time for a Halloween special. Don't forget to send in your creepy stories or experiences. I might just read them here for me, gente. Just email creepychisme for you. That's the number 4YOU at gmail.com. I'm going to cuddle up and watch a scary movie. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente. Adios.